You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. I'm Tanya Pinkins, and you're listening to my podcast, You Can't Say That. Welcome back for part two of my conversation with psychodrama therapist Annette Garber. Yeah, probably if he would just, if anybody ever acknowledged what they borrowed, or oh, if they were genius, if they stole, uh, it would be nice. But he was really such a generative person that um, people have one idea in their lifetime, make a fortune out of it, but you have 10,000, uh, then you give them away. Give them away and people take it. And everybody knows what Gestalt is, right? What is Gestalt? Oh, it's Fritz Perls developed a method of therapy that he called Gestalt. It's, it's a whole in German. Uh, but basically took one technique from psychodrama, the empty chair. The empty chair is a huge technique because you can project anything on the empty chair and face it. He decided there will be, on this side, protagonists and here is antagonists, and they fight it. And that's it. That's it. It's easy to teach. It's, you cannot do much damage, even if you're not too good. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole thing. It, it's well more known than psychodrama because it requires incredible skill, tons of studying. You have to have certain, you have to be a director, you have to be a psychologist, you have to be in tune with a lot of stuff. So, and like anything, a knife can do surgery and can do butchery. And the more sharp it is, the more dangerous it is, but at the same time, it's the more healing. I think this is a potent method, but one of the things that always terrified me in open session, people would come, would see, I would run it, other very good psychodramatists, it's very simple, you put people on the stage, you tell them what to do. And, and then people, they would go back to college, direct something and turn off um, those students forever, mm. just because they forgot to warm them up. Mm. Uh, in the beginning of my career, I was working in New Jersey with a psychiatrist who I was very mm, honored that I was running the group with him. I was like 20-something. And he could understand why when I run, everybody does what I ask them. When he runs, people don't do it. He just didn't notice the warm-up I was doing. Mm. So you be your mother. Well, she doesn't want to be a mother. If she sits there, she says, but why when I say, because she, by, by the time she gets up, she was already warmed up to be a mother. Mm. He couldn't see it. Mm. And you couldn't tell him? 
it took a lot of explaining. Like, it wouldn't take much explaining to you. But warm up. Why warm up? He's a psychiatrist. He says you do. Mm. That's how it goes, especially if he's a male. Why? Mm-hmm. And you're a woman. You do it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it, it's called resistance. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have a problem if you're not doing what he says, not he didn't do what was required to get you to do. Yeah. And then you call it a name. It's resistance. Now we'll work with your resistance, right? And there is a whole new development here, mm-hmm. right? Well, if there is a resistance, you have to ask yourself, what's happening that the person, it's not right for them to do it. There must be another way. And come, here comes the spontaneity, right? Or you can go over and out loud, this is the most ridiculous direction he gave me. Yeah, and then they will tell you what's the right direction. People usually, if, they, if you open them up to that state, the healing center, there's like a healing center in us, mm-hmm. opens up and leads. It sounds like this kind of warming up that you talk about could be useful for some directors who don't have a sort of natural facility for that. Though I will say sometimes I've been directed by uh, directors who are, you know, fresh out of grad school and they want to come in and do all these exercises. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a professional. I could do this job in my sleep. Why are you like treating me like a child? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm on two sides of it. On the one hand, I can see, okay, you know, this warm up can help some people. And then for me, it was like, come on, this is not hard for me. I can, I can drop into this. I don't, you know, I, I, I can do it. I live, I can turn it on and off. I've been doing it for so long. That structure for me to step out of myself has been built over 50 years of doing this. Yes. Yeah, so if he was more tuned in, he would say, okay, you and you, you probably don't need it. But I think maybe other people, or if you feel that you need it, join us. Mm-hmm. That would totally resolve your resistance. Maybe you want to do this exercise, but don't treat me like I really need it, mm-hmm. and it's mana from God, you little <laughs> schmandrick. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 That would be tuning into you, and you feel much more inclined to take the direction from right. him. But to be like that, it takes maturity. Mm-hmm. Or, or just some, some people are natural tuner in. Uh, Maybe not. I, I'm not so sure I, I I, agree with that. Well, you know, one of the things that one of my guests I had yesterday, uh, Kalindi E., who's a, a psychonaut, um, he explores entheogens and goes into other realms, and he was talking about how fear is the thing that gets in our way all the time. And oh, yeah. I think a lot with directors, you know, if they don't feel like they know what they're doing, rather than just being able to admit I don't know what I'm doing. They try to take command when they don't have it and don't recognize that we can see that you don't know what you're doing when you're pretending, you know? We see that I think the way in which people are disrespectful of anybody, but particularly actors is treating us like we're blind, that we aren't intuitive, that we can't read you no matter what your words are that you are saying, that we we can read what what's going on no matter what the words are that are coming out of your mouth. That's what our gift is. That's what we're trained to do. Yeah. Well, she just really brought this incredible point in such a beautiful way because really <laughs> theater should be the theater of truth. And if that person would come from a point of truth and say, you know, guys, you know a lot. I'm a novice, and I'm really scared, so I need your help. And then we want to help. Yeah. And so the same thing with a therapist. Of course, it's easier when you 
Um, in the beginning, I used to smoke. So if I didn't know what to say, I listened. <laughs> 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 they took me a break. And God was gracious and gave me, you know, the next thing. But when I stopped uh, smoking, uh, it meant I had to take a breath, take time, feel okay of not knowing until I knew. And I could actually say, you know, hold on. I really need to think this. Oh, wait a second. No, I think that would be better. Let's scratch this. Just, it's actually, truth is always the best. We just aren't raised to that, especially culturally today. You know. Totally. This is the the moment of deny, deny, deny. Oh, lie. Call things something different. I mean, I, I say, you know, they they call people of color minority people when we are the majority people on the planet. Um, even in the sort of BDSM context that the dominatrix isn't understood to be the servant. There's so many w- words that we use in our vocabulary that mean the exact opposite of what we're referring to. Well, part of it, and then I want to say something because today it's the Martin Luther King, but part of it is... I don't know about anybody else, but I'm afraid to expose my vulnerability Mm. unless I'm in a safe environment. And I don't always feel everywhere safe. And I'm not even the most discriminating against person. Mm -hmm. Um, No, that's true. I think we all are afraid to risk being vulnerable. Yeah. So I put this corset and I don't enjoy my life as much as I can. So it was time I preferred to do psychodrama than live my life. This is really bad. (laughs) Mm. I find for me that um, when I value a relationship with someone, I'm willing to risk being radically honest with them. And most of the time when I'm radically honest with people, I find out that they're not interested in that kind of relationship. So I know that these people are going to, I'm going to have a very sort of artificial relationship with them because that radical honesty, it, 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 it shuts them down, it scares them, it offends them. Um, and so, oh, okay, we're not going to have that kind of relationship. And then I know that when they ask me a question, I just give them a superficial answer of what I think they want to hear because that's as deep as they're willing to go with me. I actually don't know what exactly you mean by radical honesty, so I don't want to... Well, let me tell you what I mean. It's say, for instance, um, you and Nath asked me to do something and, um... I like you and you're my friend and I would like to do it for you for that, but it just doesn't feel right for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would just go, you know, it doesn't feel right for me. I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I, I can't do it. I I could do this for you, but I can't do this thing you're asking Mm -hmm. for me. I can't do it. That sounds like truth. Well, but the the other thing I could say is, oh, gosh, thank you so much for asking me. I am so busy that day, but thank you for asking me. Think of me again, okay? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's the polished polished answer, a a white lie that gives me the creeps. And, And it's really because there is dissonance between the verbal and the undertone, and it really is. I can read that on anybody. I, it, that, for me, that was almost formulaic. <laughs> but there are better versions of it. The only thing is, why do I, when I get up, why do I feel like, ah. Slimed. You feel yeah. slimed when yeah, someone does it to you. Something is like that. 
which is really like when you want to understand the difference between spontaneity and impulsiveness, because how do you know whether it was a spontaneous act? Mm-hmm. Now, the way you said it was spontaneous. It came from within. You really, I could see you were sensing this. I'm ready to do this. Just does not feel right. It just, it, I could sense it. It authentically came from, and I almost want to say it's okay. There is no problem. I wanted, okay, so, and I, and my spontaneity was there. An impulsive thing is, unfortunately, you know, after the fact, uh, because after the fact, you don't feel good, mm-hmm. as, because you did it only with part of yourself, so the other part comes to attack. Hey, look at you, something's like a sli- slimy little thing, or, or something like that. So that is the difference. And I think that's a big, a big thing for actors, um, one of the things that I, I try to do when I'm teaching my students, I feel like my, my teaching is often a lot of psychodrama yeah. and, and, and a lot of parenting um, is, you know, until you get to college and if you get the privilege of going to college, like a lot of people don't get that privilege, like you are somebody's property and, and you have to do what they want you to do and your tastes are their tastes because you don't have a choice. If you get the bridge of college, college is this time where you get these training wheels where you get to go, oh, I don't have to do it the way my parents did it. I can see how this works. Ooh, no, don't like. And you get this training wheel period of trying to figure it out for yourself because then you got to go out into the world and you got to define your day. And how do you define a day when there's no rules, no structure, and you could do whatever you want to do? I think most people just follow the rules that they learned all along rather than being brave enough or even having the consciousness enough to know I can do it anyway. I can do it ways I don't know how. Most people don't even take that stretch in their consciousness to think I can do something that I don't even know how to do or that's never been done for in my family or that I've never seen. I, I, you know, I wish that for people that they could have that kind of Yeah, bravery. well, I think that most people don't even have the freedom to be themselves. They just actually don't know what it is to be themselves. Actually, it takes lifetime to figure out who you are. So this is like baby step. You free. Well, some people are lucky to come from a family that encourages it. Not too many. You know, but I have to say, I encouraged my children to be themselves. I didn't ask them to be anything. I didn't give them a religion. And when I tell my son things like, you're a genius, he gets mad. He gets mad. I said, why are you getting mad? Why does it make you so upset for me to say Because I like reality. And I'm like, well, why is your reality more real than my reality? (laughs) In my reality, you're a genius. So why do you want your reality where you're not? (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Mm. But is it a question or an accusation? He takes it as an, I mean, like me calling him a genius is an insult. It's an attack. It's like I'm trying to gaslight him or pull the wool over his eyes. Because I'm kind of wondering, why would that upset him? Is it that then you have such expectations and you're such an accomplished person that, wow, by calling genius, now I have to live up to that. Oh, God, give me a break. I want to be normal. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. But that would be a nice psychodrama. Right. Right. What do you mean when you say a genius? Is there an agenda there? You know, is there in your an vision. agenda? And does he have sense some agenda that you don't mm. even know that you have the agenda? It now it is it be you know at the end you'll think oh my god I didn't know all that about my son and he didn't mm. know all that about me right. oh yeah 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I really always found that actually psychodrama is the mostly needed for actors. Mm. Because they have this part used for this, the part used for that, but who they are outside, it's usually... They don't know who they are. Yeah. For me, I used to always... I couldn't sing unless I was in a character. For me, singing was the most naked and vulnerable thing that I did. And so I needed to have a character or role to hide Hmm. behind to do it. And if someone just wanted me to get up and, and just sing as Tanya... I would try to get out of that in any way I could because that was just too naked and vulnerable. I mean, over time, I've gotten to the point where I can do it sometimes, but it's still a very naked thing for me, and I don't like to do it very often. Like, it is a, it is an effort for me to come and sing as Tanya. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's You know, it's funny. I was thinking years ago... Um, Years ago, I used to get all these cases nobody wanted to treat, and I was very excited because it was like breaking my head. And it was the guy who started. I wrote a paper about it. It's still, it's 30 years later, people still use it. Of course, people don't stutter when they sing. Mm. They never stutter when they sing. But in the course of the, when he, he stopped stuttering, but the Pivotal, pivotal session was when he discovered what was, what stuttering, what function stuttering was for him. He, he was hiding himself behind his stuttering. Mm. So instead of speech being a communicative thing mm. for me, all the, the way he was frustrated, he kind of ingeniously put it on you by frustrating. You know how frustrating it is. So once he discovered that, from then on, he could recover. So I'm thinking, okay, there is some drama about the, that your own voice cannot, the beautiful singing voice can come from a role, but from you, no. There is something behind it. There is a drama behind it. Yeah, there is definitely something behind it. I probably will not find it out in this life. I mean, like, you may. someone taught me this, uh, this Spanish song, the Llorona, mm-hmm. and I love to sing it, but I'm singing in Spanish. <gasps> yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. love to sing this song. I'll sing this song anywhere for anyone. I love it. It, it, it is, it, it, it feels like it's me, but of course it's a character. I'm not in my language, in my, my native language. Yeah, that's, that's really so interesting because I speak several languages and I'm a different person in each language. Mm-hmm. And people are different, there's like different parts of you 
um, get stirred up by by the language. I love English because I can curse in English. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I have this inhibition against cursing because I was a kid. So you can't curse in Hebrew? Very, very. Hebrew is a little bit better. Polish is totally not. You can't, you can't curse in Polish. I would bet the Poles would have some good swear words. Oh, oh God. They're like incredible. Give I me mean, some swear best. words in Polish. Kurwa. Kurwa. What is that? A slut. Slut. That's about how, how much I do. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, no, I know another. Cholera jasna. You got that. Cholera jasna. It's a white cholera, but it could be also a black cholera. Cholera jasna. <laughs> what is that? Cholera. Cholera. You know the, the sickness? Cholera. Cholera. Yeah. Cholera jasna. <laughs> which is the white one. And the chana is the black one. And I don't know which is worse. <laughs> And what are you calling somebody when you say that to them? When do you know you, you know, because it would be deathly, right? So you're, you're just wishing them death. You're like cursing basic, them. Yeah, basically. But that's about as much my vocabulary goes. Not, you know, my cursing vocabulary. It's <laughs> such a freedom in English to say, fuck you. I don't want to talk to you. Is there a fuck you in Polish and Hebrew? I'm sure. Oh, of course. Do you know what's the fuck but you in Hebrew? But it would come with that. Give oof, me the fuck you in Hebrew. In Hebrew. Machshimcha. Uh, that's the male version, and the mashmech is the female version because it's in Hebrew. You is in, is different for male. Oh. And, and what is it in Polish? Fuck you in Polish. You don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you imagine such inhibition? And you think it's this inhibition because you were a child and that yeah, was yeah, not, yeah, 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 totally, totally. But you didn't hear your parents saying these words. Actually, my parents were very. Fuck you. That's Polish. That's how do you say fuck you in Polish? But. Przepczyć? Oh, Yeah, I wouldn't know the word. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck would mean. <laughs> like, whoever fucked, I wasn't born like that. <laughs> Can you imagine how... Yeah, that's, that's a little hard. That's not just... It's a very difficult language to pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> now, you were in the military? Yep. What is the military for a woman in Israel? Um, narrow the question? What is? What do you do in the military? I mean, like, Oh, what do you, you do know, in the military? The military. Okay. You, were you fighting? Did you... Uh, well, actually, I was kind of... A whole story. At that time, I was interested in theater, and I was chosen to be in the theater in the army, but there was not enough money, so in the meantime, <laughs> as usual. And then I was suggested that I'll go to the entertainer troupe. The only problem was there that I passed the test, but then they asked me to sing. I cannot sing. A few years ago, I started singing lessons because I didn't want to die mouthing the anthem. <laughs> <laughs> but is it just like do Yonatan, Hakatan, whatever? Well, now I'm not afraid. There was no way. I saw the 500 people. There was no way I could open. So, so the only thing left for me was to take tests, and and you could take take tests, let's say for psychology or medical school, something like that. And if you pass them and pass the officer scores test, then you could go on a special program in which you were in the army in the summer and then 
could use your profession in the army. So you got experience. That was me, the officer. So you became a psychologist because you couldn't sing. <laughs> basically, basically well, you were I've never to heard. You were afraid to yes, sing, so you became yes. a psychologist. And they didn't have money to open the theater, the regular <laughs> theater, like Shakespeare, like really good stuff. Yeah, you know, basically, you got it right. But uh, right now, women are doing just, at that time, Women were not going to combat unit, but now they do go to combat unit. They really allowed to do. The idea was you couldn't afford for women to die, because you need one man. <laughs> to pro you need many women. Right. You got the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need. Speaking. We only need one guy. Yeah. But we need a lot of women. Many wombs, basic wombs, right? Yeah. Uh, so there is still a little bit of that, but there was a whole thing why women couldn't do it. So yeah, so you get the training in using rifle and using um, all this stuff that needs you need for combat, but really, rarely uniposition to do it. Now I have heard, and I don't know this, so I'm about to say something. I could be saying something really stupid. I have been told that the Israeli army is the only army in the world that actually has a training program when their soldiers come out of the military that trains them to return to civilization so they can be regular human beings again, since so much of being a soldier involves behaving intuitively the opposite way that you behave as a human being. Like, you hear a loud noise and you're a soldier, you run. You got to get ready to get your gun. But you at home, you hear a loud noise. It could be your kids playing and you can't jump to that kind of hypervigilance. I don't know that what it sounds to me that there could be good possibility that there is a unit, there is treatment for people with PTSD because not everybody who leaves the army has difficult adjusting. There are people who have difficulty adjusting. Actually, when I came here to study psychodrama, that was my idealistic thing. I come and be actually doing, working with all these veterans. I'm still in the meantime here like many people. Um, so that for sure exists. That I know. That, but, that exists in the Israeli yeah, but, army. Yeah, but not for everybody who leaves. Not everybody who leaves is affected. Some people are affected. Okay, so I, I got the, heard the wrong thing. That wasn't true. But there maybe is... I'm not updated. But um, I, I don't... It would be just impossible to have that many people to... It just makes sense that there is a unit that deals with that, for sure. And are you familiar with any of this work that's happening now where they're doing a lot of, I just met a bunch of therapists, um, MAPS, I guess, and there's all this, uh, you know, Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. There's all this work now with entheogens and, I guess, psychedelics where they're using ayahuasca and psilocybin yeah. to treat people with PTSD. I heard of it, just I'm <clears throat> not, I haven't done it. I know a wife of a patient of mine who was very much into it could swear by it. I don't have the experience, um, so I cannot talk out of experience. Okay. Um, there is, in a PTSD, in any trauma, and we all are traumatized, uh, there is a change in the brain, the way the brain um compute stuff. So you really have to undo that. And the model came from psychodrama, but maybe it's not acknowledged, because you have to be immersed in the situation, therapeutic in the presence of somebody that you feel comfortable with, 
and then get a corrective experience mm -hmm. and repeat it several times. Of course, if it's a big trauma, maybe you can take a little bit at a time. At a time. But again, you have to have somebody who can actually hold you. I'm actually trying to work now on a VR. Tell you about it another time. Go ahead. Tell us now. Mm, well, I, I hate talking about stuff that's in on becoming. Okay. But to deal with post... Well, I mean, I had read that the amygdala is where we store emotion and feeling. And that if you want to actually... <coughs> If you want to actually change someone's mind, you can't do it with thoughts. You can't do it with facts. You have to do it experientially. You have to have an amygdala experience. And so that was my idea behind Truth and Reconciliation of Women, that people would come and have an emotional experience of these conflicts between women that are historical, that are present day, and they would experience the conflict and they would experience the resolution. It would do this shift in the amygdala. And they would then have a series of files that would allow them to see the possibility that something could be different because it was experiential. And I feel like theater does that because you are live in the room with people in a different way than you are if you're watching it on a screen. What you said, Jesus said in one sentence, as you think as with the heart, so it is. What does it mean to think with your heart? It's the emotional. You know, when you say when you, it's emotion, when the thought is emotionally experienced, then there is a change. Mm -hmm. Then the mountain can be moved. Mm -hmm. Without that connection, nothing can be moved. And you just seem like a natural psychodramatist because you can sense this. Yeah, so that's why if you immerse person that experience, but then allow them a corrective experience, there are connections here are being made. No? Connections in, in the process. brain. You're touching yeah. your head. In, yeah. You're touching connections in the brain. The neural network yeah, the neural begins network to shift. Begins to shift. Now you can discern that's past. This is here. Mm -hmm. it, it, and slowly, few more immersion and few more immersion, and it shifts. Frankly, we all walking traumatized people because it's, it moves from generation to generation. And where does it stop? That's what I would like to address in that VR. Where does it stop? I mean, every black American carries traumas that are particular to this group, but also their particular family, every Jew, every... And, and, and really, even the white Protestant who... Who, who was mean to Indians, what do they carry? There is plenty trauma there too. Like the Goebbels children, you know, the German uh, propaganda, they, they decided not to have children. Mm. Because if, if they didn't want to pass such it a on. monster was created, how could... Yeah. So we're wrapping up now. Okay. What else did I not ask you that you want to say about psychodrama? Oh, my God. Do we have another three hours? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have another three hours. <laughs> uh, um, I think it's elixir of youth. The elixir of youth. Yes. You want to? Yeah, yeah tell us what that means, the elixir of youth. Oh, what I meant was um, spontaneity. Living in the state of spontaneity and mindfulness just keeps you useful because that's a state of usefulness to be curious mm -hmm. to be present to be excited to be interested in the mystery of life i think that goes with youth and also when you look at people in that field it's also true for actors there is usefulness in mm -hmm. them 
Thank you, Annette Garber, that for coming and talking with you. me today. Thank you. Anytime. It was lovely. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Um, this is Tanya Pinkins, and you've been listening to my conversation with Annette Garber's psychodrama therapist, psychologist, and you're listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to You Can't Say That, the show where you can. I'm Tanya Pinkins. This is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Derek Gunther, music by Anthony Norman, available wherever you get your podcast. And visit me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and let me know what you'd like to hear me talk about. For more information, visit bpn.fm forward slash YCST. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.